Our episodes contain graphic information that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Would you like some murder with your coffee? Welcome to Morning Murders! I'm Nicole. I'm Amanda. And I'm Brenna. We're just three gals that like to sit around, drink coffee, and talk about true crime. True crime? Mm -hmm. And you know what would be an absolute crime? What? If you didn't buy our merch. (laughs) (laughs) We have a merch store, and we have cute stuff that Brenna designed for you. Yes, Brenna. Yeah, other designs, too, that are not up yet because, you know... They don't get to be. Not it's yet. a limited supply. Limited. Mm. Yeah, you gotta get there to see what's there. Ooh, you Who knows what's in there? Some stuff stays, some stuff goes. That's kind of the whole point of the market, man. Yep. Seasons, baby. So yeah. click open on the show notes for this. Uh, there is always a link that you can go shopping. Always. Yes, always. It's always there. And thank you, friends, who have checked it out. We've got some people who bought mugs from us, and yes. that's mm-hmm. really exciting. Yeah. 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 Yes, cheers to that. Yay. Cheers. Well, cheers to that, and uh, cheers to a new story that I have brought to the breakfast nook. Woo! Uh, have any of you heard of the Gramby Killdozer? Yes, I have heard of you the Gramby Killdozer. It yes. sounds like you both have had a stroke. Oh, yes. Actually, um... I don't know if you know this. We actually have two beans that have recommended this story. Oh, booyah! Yeah, so shout-outs to Drea and Adam, because we both have mentioned this story before. And shout-out for having psychic powers with Amanda, because now I knew that you wanted this, and we're going to do it. (laughs) The Gramby the Fram Grandma Killbozer. Yep. That's it. That's what we're gonna. That's what we're gonna name this episode. The yeah. Grandpa Bill Bozer. Grandpa Bill Dozer. All right. Great. Well, on June fourth, two thousand and four, at about two fifteen p.m., nine one one received multiple calls of a steel-plated bulldozer towering down the streets of Granby, Colorado. But this was unlike anything anyone had ever seen before. Imagine a tank had a baby with a bulldozer, and then it grew a shell made of steel. Mm -hmm. In fact, the outer plating was made of two layers of steel with cement poured in between. Mounted on it were three gun ports, one housing a 50 caliber rifle, one a 308 semi-automatic, and the third a 22 long rifle. Mm -hmm. There were also about five video cameras on the exterior, which fed a live feed to three monitors within the dozer. Three-inch bulletproof plastic covered the cameras for protection, as well as air compressors to blow away any dust and debris. You see, there were no windows in this monstrosity, and the person running it was using the cameras as their way of seeing out. And initially, someone thought it might have been run by remote control, but it soon became clear there was someone inside. Someone with no intention of ever coming out. The townspeople gathered to watch the killdozer destroy everything their families had laid the framework for generations. Before you get too far into, like, the terrible things that happened, and before I know the terrible things that happened, I just want to say that this kind of thing would be really dope in a non-killing way at a music festival, because then no one can touch you and come near you. But you're not killing anybody, but it's all, like, safe, and you have the cameras outside. Oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah. There you go. It's just like, it's like, but, like, instead it just goes, like, excuse me. Yeah, excuse, excuse me. me. Sorry. Excuse, excuse me. me. Sorry. Excuse it's me. just, like, this 
but there's this like, I'm sorry, excuse me, sorry, excuse me, don't come near me, sorry. But also, <laughs> get the fuck out of my this way. This is my ideals, my, without the killing involved or destroying a property, what an ideal way to spend a day in public. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> sorry, before I found out about what terrible things were done, I wanted to make sure I said that. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair, yeah, because it's going to get weird. It's going to get guess terrible. Yeah. All right, so uh, it started its massacre at the town hall. Luckily, this thing wasn't very fast, and the people inside were able to get about a 30-second head start to get out of the building. Um, actually, they did have this, like, reverse 911 call that went out to the whole town, and it did save all, it saved everyone, a lot of people. Um, so the library in the basement of the town hall had been filled with children at the time. But everyone escaped. Everyone did escape in time. The beast continued down Main Street to the offices where the local newspaper was located. He plowed through one side and continued all the way down until that wall was completely gone and the building fell into one side, collapsing. Again, thankfully, no one was hurt. Moving right along, the dozer finds itself leveling the Thompson property. They had acres and acres, and it just destroyed everything in sight. It's, it's important to note that their family was probably the most prominent in the town. They owned a lot of land, and they were known to everyone. But we'll get back to that in a bit. Its next move was downhill towards independent gas, where there were rows and rows of industrial-sized propane tanks as well as electrical transformers. Mm. Right around it were many residential homes, including a senior living community. One shot from the 50 caliber on the dozer could take out most of this small town. Um, and I guess they just started, like, he did start shooting at it, but because he didn't have very good aim, we all just got lucky because he missed. At this point, someone grabbed a giant scraper tractor and tried to lodge it in front of the dozer to stop it from making its way back up towards Main Street. Imagine the scene from Jurassic Park where the Carnotaurus uh, is on a rampage and the T-Rex comes down and, like, takes it out. Only this time, the Carnotaurus wins. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's been hurt. As the killdozer makes its way back up the hill, it's noticeable that it's starting to lose antifreeze. The engine starts to overheat. Mm. But it still has the juice to run right through the Gamble's appliance store. However, what a lot of people didn't know was that this building had a basement. So when the dozer ran far enough into the store, it basically fell just enough into the basement to get stuck. Mm. And that was it. It was finally done. There was no escape. But what would happen next? The police prepped for a gunfight. Surely whoever was operating this wasn't going to go down without a fight. Instead, they heard a single gunshot from inside the dozer. Once they felt it was safe, police began trying to get inside. I mean, it was practically impossible, which was the whole point of its construction. Um, they tried blowing it up. Nothing. Eventually, they took a cutting torch and were able to cut off the AC unit and make an opening. Mm. Inside, they found 52-year-old Marv Hemeyer. He had shot himself through the roof of his mouth. And now the question I'm sure you're all screaming, why? Mm -hmm. So the dozer's driver, Marvin Hemeyer, was born on October 28, 1951 in South Dakota, but then grew up in Grand Lake, Colorado, which is about 16 miles from Granby, where this all took place. The only really significant thing I'd like to bring up about Marv's early years was that uh, it was said he was actually a very sweet, giving person who would give you the shirt off his back. He was never a great student academically, but he was always able to build things, and he was just really better at physical work with his hands. He was a talented welder, and that road eventually led him into muffler repairs. In 1992, just two years after moving to Granby, Marv bought a piece of land at auction. According to Marv, it went down like this. 
Basically, he won the auction against this guy named Cody Dochev for $50,000. Apparently, Cody really wanted that land to open a cement factory. Um, and Cody came up to him after immediately losing the bid and gave Marv a, quote, tongue lashing, asking, like, who Marv was and where he was from and what he thought he was going to do with the property, et cetera, et cetera. And Marv was like, well, I'll sell it to you for $66,000 if you want it so badly. But he said no. So now Marv builds a few buildings on the property. Uh, a few are rented out as boat storage, and then the other was turned into his muffler shop. Now, because it's just a plot of dirt that he got, um, you know, he gets things set up and hooked up to a well and a septic tank. This is important for the story, I promise. So Marv has some really great years with the muffler shop and his new girlfriend, Trisha. Um, he loved to snowmobile. It was his absolute passion. He used his superb welding skills to make himself a solid steel custom bumper for his snowmobile. Apparently, he made one for most of the town as well. Like, you were totally lame if you didn't have a Hemeyer custom bumper. But as soon as things started to really be looking up for Marv, the plot of land next door to his was rezoned and sold to none other than Cody Dochev. Marv spent an incredible amount of time and energy trying to put a stop to it. But the town went ahead and rezoned the lot next door for use. Dochev started bringing things onto the lot, and it looked like the cement factory was going up whether Marv liked it or not. And unfortunately, the punches just kept coming. The town of Granby notified Marv that he would be required to hook up his shop to the main sewage lines. Remember, I said he was only on a septic. Well, at first he was like, okay, no problem. But it turns out that he was much further from the main line than he thought. It was going to cost Marv upwards of $100,000 of his own money to get his shop into compliance. Jeez. Mm, yeah. But then he hit another snag. He would also be required to build an easement so that the maintenance could access the sewer line. Um, and I had to look this up. I didn't know what that meant. So an easement is basically an access door so that people can get to the sewer lines to work on them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it's still, like, the public can use it. They can use the easement, but you still own the land. It's not like that land is now public land or anything like that. But mm. regardless. So now, again, Marv was willing to comply. However, this was going to be more difficult than he thought. In order to put in this easement, it would need to be built on the neighboring property. And we all know that wasn't going to happen. Marvin tried to appeal to the sewer district board, which was run by the Thompson family. They were, again, very prominent. They had a lot of power, and they were really good friends with the Dochefs. Mm. They weren't willing to help Marv out or even discount any of the costs. Well, they're making him do it, and they're not helping him out at all. Yeah. Shitty. At this point, uh, Marv is basically like, okay, then, don't say I didn't try, and just continue to use his septic tank. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, what yeah, was he supposed to do? Just close up his shop and lose it all? Like, he really tried everything, and you guys made it impossible for him. Yeah. So being a small town, the local paper actually wrote about this dispute. According to Marv, Patrick Brower, the editor of Sky High News, made him look bad and made negative comments about him. Patrick was just, like, doing his job, though. He really wasn't trying to start everything. So he actually offered Marv a $200 ad in, um, for his shop for free in the paper to be like, hey, man, sorry, but I'll offer you, like, this ad, and that'll help out your business. Marv wasn't having any of it, though. He stayed mad about it. Mm. Marv did, however, try to settle things with Cody. He offered to sell him the muffler shop for $250,000. And it was actually appraised for $270,000, so he was like, I'm giving you a deal. Mm-hmm. But then he changed his mind. Now he wanted 375000 JK, 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 JK. Now he wants a million dollars. Obviously, 
that deal didn't go through. In 1998, the Dochev started construction on the factory, and Marv feared for his livelihood. In an attempt to keep moving forward, he started looking at the 21 acres of undeveloped land just south of the muffler shop. His plan was to build a parking lot for his customers and then um, also like cut through there so that he can get everything set up for the sewer line. Because he's like, okay, I can't go through Cody's property. Maybe I can buy this one here and go like down and around. But he soon learned that the Dochevs had gotten to it first. Mm. Not all 21 acres, just two of them but it was enough. Cody was able to find a loophole and do something called zone spotting, where the town basically set aside a piece of land and they say that um, like none of the zoning laws count for that particular spot if they can prove that it serves a particular purpose to the community. Not sure what that purpose was, except to keep Marv from having it. So Marv dove into action, pleading with the town council to stop construction of the plant. And a lot of people were on his side with this one. They felt, you know, it would bring a lot of noise and dust and be really disruptive to this tiny little mountain town. However, Cody Dochev argued that it would also bring a lot of jobs. Eventually, the board sided with their buddy Cody. Mm. Just a few weeks after this decision, Marv found a bulldozer at an auction and ended up winning it. He had it delivered to his shop and ended up putting it out in front of, the, of uh, his store for sale. Like, he put a big for sale sign on it, and people were like, is this just to intimidate Cody Dochev? He just, like, put it out in front and put a sign on it. But no one ever, like, wanted it. <laughs> um, and then when Marv had had enough, he tried to sue the Dochev family and the city of Granby to allow him to build the easement. The Dochevs called and said that they would let him build the easement if he dropped the suit, But allegedly, Marv hung up on them. Mm. So, whatever. In November of 2002, the town sent him a notice that he still needed to hook up his sewage to the main line. This time adding that he would be fined $100 a day for each day that it was not completed. And he would also not be allowed to run his shop. He wrote out a check to the town, and in the memo, he wrote, To the Cowards and Liars Department. Yeah! (laughs) He tried appealing his cases again to sue the Dochefs and the town of Granby, but his lawyer wouldn't take the case again. And there was a thing there where he was saying, like, Well, fuck you, you were just trying to get money out of me, and blah, blah, blah. But really, wouldn't his lawyer, if he was just trying to get money out of him, he would have taken the case again. But Mm. I don't know, maybe it's one of those things like, Well, I don't get any money unless we win, and I don't think we can win. Mm. So, I'm not... I'm not sure. Mm, That's a good point. Yeah, because we didn't get the other guy's side of the story. So with seemingly no choices left, Marv tried to sell the shop and all his tools, etc., to just, like, get what he could and get out of town. He was able to sell a good amount of his tools and inventory, but the bulldozer and the property itself remained unsold. So now what? What did he have to show after a decade of trying to make his life in Granby? Marv contemplated these questions to himself with a beer in his hot tub. That's when he said he got a feeling of calmness that washed over him, and he got a message from God. He needed to make the town pay for their sins. In March of 2003, Marv started giving away everything he owned and moved into the old shop while he formulated his plan. I guess he figured that he would use the skills that God had given him. This meant turning his bulldozer into a massive tank-like killing machine. He was going to destroy the town that destroyed him. So on June 4th, 2004, Marv used a lift to lower the top of the killdozer onto its base, with him inside of it, assuring that there was no way out. He drove his monstrosity through the side wall of his shop and headed for downtown. At the end of this rampage, Marv had caused about $7 million in damages. Some businesses were never able to recover. So you tell me, did Marv succeed? 
Was he right for doing this? I'd love to hear your final sips. I wonder how many times people will say that they that God gave them the idea when they just got an idea. Like, well, he just came up with it, right? Yeah. Like, so it's always funny how people poetically will say, like, and then God came to me. Like, I just finished right. watching that Keep Sweet, Pray, and Obey documentary series. Mm-hmm. And he'd be like, well, God said this. I'm like, I know that that's, like, a way to disconnect yourself from the idea. But, like, you, you came. It was your idea. You're the smarty. Yeah. You're and the one. You, you're the genius. That's or <laughs> you're schizophrenic and you are hearing another voice. And True. It's, and and also, another problem. This is, yeah, right? <laughs> well, like, he actually did, but right before he did this, like, when he knew that he was doing it, when he was building the dozer, he um, recorded himself. There's about two and a half hours. How. Yeah, I, I put the link in the show notes. I wasn't going to make you all listen to it right now, but if you want to, the link is there. Um, They have it all up on YouTube where it's like two and a half hours of him telling the story and his side only, of course, of the story and why he felt like he had to do this. So, yeah. Also, it's just so disappointing. Um, Like legislation is so disappointing. Mm -hmm. City legislation is so disappointing. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever heard of a great story of any of that ever like falling through and like being really good for people. I only ever hear of it like... People that have more money that are willing to create jobs for the economy that they are creating that we have to pay for. Like, it's like Mm -hmm. a cyclical thing. Mm -hmm. It's so frustrating and stupid. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I see where he's coming from. It's not the right thing to do, and I totally saw where he came from. Same. I completely understand why, like, where he's coming from, but I don't justify his actions at all. But, like, they, he tried. He did try, and they Mm -hmm. kept pushing him back and pushing him back. It's like they're squishing the little guy. Like, it, it really was unfortunate the way that the town handled the situation and how he retaliated. Like, none of that. Right. None of that was okay. Neither side was right. Yeah. There could have been a much healthier, better way to work that out that would have benefited not only him, but the town, too. Like, you just got to work together. I Trust me. I love being a petty bitch. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, part petty of me is like, witch. yeah, hey, <laughs> like, get back at them. But here, my major problem with it is... Sure, he didn't kill anyone. That does not mean that he couldn't have. Right. That does not mean that he wouldn't have. I I think because he because he put himself in the dozer with every intention of killing himself, he thought he was going to kill people. And he thought that, well, once I do this and I kill a bunch of people and I destroy a town, there's no way if I they're absolutely going to murder me, so I'm going to go out on my own terms because if he thought I'm just going to destroy buildings, he wouldn't. I think he wouldn't have done that. Yeah, I. I feel so like that's he didn't, why I'm not okay with it. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I. I feel like he didn't necessarily have a plan either way. He just was going there to do damage, and whatever that meant was going to be what it meant, whether it meant people or property or whatever it was. He was right. just like, here we go. But there's mm-hmm. a lot of innocent people. Like he Absolutely. literally could have killed children? a basement full of children. Jeez, exactly. Exactly. Like, if they had, if it wasn't just a giant, very slow moving. Dozer. And it's crazy to watch. There's so many videos. Mm-hmm. Um, I've obviously, seen a video there's of it, yeah, yeah, and there's mm-hmm. the the, Net, the Netflix documentary, which actually they're taking it off on June 28th. So you might not be able to watch it anymore by the time you listen to this. We'll see. Um, but it's it's just crazy, just crazy. I mean, things people will do when you push them and push them and push them and push them. Right. And push them. Yeah. And right. even if even if he didn't kill people, he still would have been stuck in legislation and prison and all that stuff. So, like, regardless of whether what his intention was, the action was going to result in, like, endless bullshit. Mm -hmm. Like, it was he was already in it. So I can definitely see him being, like, regardless of whether people die or not, like, I'm going to get, I'm going to have to deal with this for the rest of my life. 
this or the muffler shop thing or this family or this city, like this town I love, I can't like, because what, what the all their alter- alternative was that he just closes his whole business and then starts a new thing elsewhere, right? Right. That's yeah. like, loses everything. Yeah. How old was he? He was 52 already. Yeah. So yeah, so he, like, I can see why he was pushed to this point. And also it doesn't, like we were like we were all saying, it just doesn't justify the action. No, and like you said too, he was a type that was, seemed to be very kind, gave people things. So he probably also, I don't know, maybe felt like, I mean, I've given you so much of myself and you can't help me this one little yes. bit. And I believed that at the beginning. I felt like that was what was happening. Like, I'm trying so hard and you guys can't even do this for me. But then when people are like, okay, well, what if we do this? Like, can you just drop the suit and we'll call it a day? No. That kind of thing, right? Yeah. Or like with the lawyer, like, no. And people actually did by the end of it try to reason with him at least a little bit. And I'm sure obviously it wasn't good enough. But well, and also took too long. Like, why yeah. did it take that long and that many things for them to then go, okay, well, sure. we'll do this. Like, I mean, I, and this is just my opinion, I do think they were trying to run him out of town. That's absolutely. exactly they were, what it absolutely, sounds like. They're like, well, we can't kill him, so we'll just make sure that he has a real shit time here and he will yeah. physically not be able to set up this building because we will not let him get to the sewer line. Boom, just done. Like, let's, give him Politics. A, let's give him an inch in a direction that he can't work in and say that we're doing a lot for him. And so that when he right. says no, yeah. he looks like the crazy person. He looks person. like exactly. the asshole. Yeah. Yeah. So Isn't like, that funny how like anger and ego does that to us where like if somebody, like I know I'm I'm like also a petty witch. Like I, I also know that like there comes a point where if someone hasn't been doing something or has been shitty this entire time, you already have that shade on them so as soon as they're like but I'll help you out you go like no so isn't that funny how that happens like Mm -hmm. we do that and then like ego it's all it's ego it's ego and because it's it's self-esteem a bunch of ego Mm -hmm. for sure so it's so frustrating when that happens and it's like the most human things I think I've I've never I don't think I've ever met a person in my entire life that hasn't done that yeah as Mm -hmm. we all get to that point we're humans yeah like you said it's very human thing totally human (laughs) oh can we share petty stories I have a really good one. Go ahead. So this is a a story in my family. My grandfather, um, this is my dad's dad. They were going out to work. They were leaving for the day. And, you know, he's going to go to work and take my dad to school or wherever. And um, we were from Chicago. And they're from, like, Chicago, Chicago. So everybody's parked on the street. And this person had pulled up behind my grandpa's car, pushed him all the way in. And he was parked illegally. Like, it was that last space, like, right almost to the... Um, intersection. He would definitely shouldn't have been there. But my grandpa couldn't get out. Well, my grandfather worked in, he was like a sewing machine salesman, so he had like I don't know if it was necessarily a crowbar, but he had some type of like metal thing, giant tool in his car. We'd have like a tire iron for sure. Yeah, maybe yeah. that was it. Um, but he bashed the guy's window in, and this is like the 50s or 60s, so he just popped his car into neutral, pushed it out into the intersection, and left for the day. Mm-hmm. Oh, damn. Ooh, 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 I got another one. This wasn't right. my family. Sorry, just stories of people being petty. There was this, um, my dad, uh, when he would walk to work, there was, uh, I don't know if it was walking to work or it was like near a university and this person kept parking in this person's driveway, like a student kept parking in this person's driveway and he kept seeing like, please don't park here, please don't park here, all of this. Eventually that person, when that person came, dropped their car off, they went to class, that person built a... Um, cement brick wall around the car and it stayed there for years That's great. you know i get it i get it i am one of my old complexes i had someone that kept fucking par- parking in my spot and they parked in my spot and they mm-hmm. parked in my spot i would like leave notes on their car please don't park here thank you so much you know and they still get to do that and then i just put a bunch of cones in the parking spot one day so they couldn't park there mm. 
That's still nice. I, like, I, I was going to put up cones. Was, yeah. Guys, just please, if you have a story about being a petty witch, <laughs> I would love to do a segment on here of like the petty witch corner. Please send it to me. And or malicious compliance. Mm. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That's a good band name. Yeah. That's, that's, that's <gasps> we petty. haven't had a band name in a while. Aww. you got to write it down. I get to, okay, I get my phone. Yeah, as there's a really great Reddit feed called r slash malicious compliance, and it's like every story of someone going, oh, oh, I have to go through these means. Oh, I will. And it will be your fucking mm-hmm. device. Yeah. Kind of yeah, like, yeah. I feel like I, I get with aggressively the nice yeah. sometimes. Oh, yeah. Just like, okay, we're playing this game. All right. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Yeah, <laughs> and there's stories like that that like didn't include um, almost killing a bunch of people and destroying a town. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, malicious compliance. 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 I feel like there's also a good movie named Compliance. And it's all about compliance. I don't like how there's a movie called Doubt, and it's all about <gasps> Doubt. <laughs> I had to look it up. Yeah, it is. That is definitely called Compliance. Oh, the movie. Yeah. Wait. <gasps> it's a real this good is, movie. This isn't just a movie. This is a true crime. It is? Yes. Have you heard about this? I don't oh. I just watched the movie. This is a true crime. This one's really fucked up. I'll tell the very short version of it, because um, I really don't want to do this one. Great. It, no, it just fucks short, me up. short version. But this there is a was, movie. Yeah, Compliant. there is a movie called Compliance based off of this very true story where this guy was calling a McDonald's, and he was he called and said he was the police, and he was talking to the manager and saying that this person was stealing from them and this, that, and the other, and he needed to put this person in the other room. We're going to take... Like, it was all done over the phone. They had this girl stripped down, mm-hmm. like do horrible things like have mm-hmm. to like, I think she had to like perform fellatio on someone like mm-hmm. she did ridiculous movie. ridiculous um, and it was just some guy over the phone telling someone what to do but they were so afraid of a uh, fake authority that they actually cat. did this horrible thing to this girl That's oh awful. my god okay sorry I had to step out because I am reading the book uh, this sociopath next door and it talked about a um, study that happened and I'm just going to tell the, the quick version of it as I pull it up um, you guys may already know this study. Um, Stanley Milgram. So he did a study, it was very controversial, where it was in the 1960s and it was at Yale. And so he put out an ad for two people to like come in and like do this experiment. And it was all about um, like the idea of the experiment was to see how far a person would go when authority tells them to do something. Mm-hmm. So two people come in, unbeknownst to one of the people, the other one is an actor. So it is one person is fake. They are the control. So the actor person, student, goes into this room and sits down, and they're attached to all of these, like, wires. Oh, okay. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. I remember this, And yeah. then the other person goes into this room, and uh, they are mm. told... Mm. If they, they have these certain amount of words they're supposed to say, when you say a word, they have to say this word, whatever. And if they get it wrong, you shock them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, and then each time the shock gets worse and worse. Mm-hmm. This experiment is nuts. And he would bring it, he brought in a bunch of different people from all of like different walks of life and different things to see who would go so far. And like the majority of people went pretty damn far and like the person wasn't really getting shocked the actor would pretend obviously that's why the actor is yeah, the but shocked. still if you hear someone in pain and you're doing but they're it, still doing it the, there was like over 62 percent of people continued to shock what, this person what did they think would happen to them if they didn't so the what the whole told? thing is just a person of authority is telling you what to do and so like oh and he found that if the per if he was if it was him wearing a lab coat more people were likely to go really far before they started complaining about like, hey, I just don't feel comfortable doing this. And then um, he also found that people who had uh, like higher schooling um, 
also tended to stop it a little bit sooner because they're like, are you really a person of authority that can be telling me this? They started to test mm. the system a little bit more. But it was pretty nuts just like how far people will go because a person of authority was telling them to do something. And then if he dressed normal or someone else went in there and did it, they were more likely to stop sooner because they didn't look as as much right. of an authority figure. It could be wrong. From what I understand, um, the person that they are shocking was not in any sort of visible way. Nope. Like, yep. you couldn't see them. You, you just could heard not, you screaming. You hear them. Yes, yeah, you, you don't just see heard them. screaming from, like, mm-hmm. some other, like, from the other side of a screen or something. Yeah. So, and, yeah, so it was just not even, like, you can't see them. All you know is you press a button and someone screams. Or, like, goes, oh, weird. Oh, wow, that was, that was a big one. And, like, uh-huh. you know, like... Go bigger and bigger. Yeah, and sometimes it would get to the point where that person is pleading for them to stop, and they would keep going if the person of authority told them to keep going. Yeah, man. Hey, man, we saw an entire, we heard about an entire prison that was not real that people yep. did and just said yes and to. Mm-hmm. Yes and, well, baby, the ultimate improv. Yeah, and Stanley, he was just fascinated about, like, you know, what happened with Hitler and all this stuff yeah. and, like, how far... Can you manipulate a person to go if you are a person of authority or appear to be a person of authority? Did you guys know that there was Jews for Hitler? There's a whole group of Jews that supported Hitler because they thought if they were close enough to him, they wouldn't get caught. And they got fucking caught. And all of them got murdered. Survival mode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But also, what the fuck? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just like how there's far left or far right Latinas for Trump. Mm. Mm. Love it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. The the, the, the human. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't. It's it's pretty fascinating. So, um, when you're out there in the world, just living your best lives, you know, really question things. Um, question who you're getting stuff from because not there's fake news, as we all know. There's people who aren't really authority figures that lie and mm-hmm. say that they are to get you to do what they want, like the in compliance and other things. So. Mm-hmm. You know, just just be on your toes and and just do do what's best for you and just pay attention to what's going on around you. Be cool, man. Just be cool. I feel like the thing we learned from this is just like be cool. Let's all just stop being assholes about who was here first, because they were like, Ugh, my family, my family, it's my land. Fuck you. Everybody deserves a chance to make something out of themselves. And if someone wants to come into your town and do good things, then let them be mm-hmm. cool. Help them out. Let them hook their sewer line up, because you'll literally have to deal with their shit. If you don't let them hook it up, it's so just it's true. Damn it, be a good neighbor. Nobody is better than anybody else. Everybody shits. Also, Everybody poops. that family probably mm-hmm. took that land from indigenous people. So yeah, that's what I, that's what I meant. Yeah, like, exactly. stop trying to say you were there first because someone was probably there first, yeah. and the yeah. dinosaurs were there before. Yeah. <laughs> it's like who the mm-hmm. fuck cares? So, mm-hmm. be cool. Be cool. Beans. Well, I don't know. Bean cool. Bean. We were almost there. Almost. It's, I was so, trying. It's, we're workshopping it. Segways. We're workshopping it. Oh, thank you so much for joining us, Beans. What a great conversation. I love having conversations with you ladies. Yeah. And Beans, thank you for joining us with your coffees. We look forward to more conversations and stories on our Monday podcast that we like to call Morning Borders. Thank you for listening to Morning Murders. Remember to stop by every Monday for a new episode. And you can always check out our resources and mental health links in our show notes. If you enjoyed listening to our highly caffeinated conversation, please leave us a five-star rating and check us out on Instagram. At Morning Murders. That's at M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G-M-U-R-D-E-R-S. If you have any stories you'd like to hear discussed around the breakfast nook, email us at morningmurders at gmail.com. Thank you for listening! And uh, today, we're going to cheers to a 
story. Uh, God, I don't do segues. <laughs> All right, fuck it. Um, we're doing it live. We're doing it live. Let's do this. <laughs> Amanda, 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 Mamo! Mamo! Your nails are so long. Thank you. I'm trying to keep them from hearing the click every time I make them. Clickety-clacks. Science. Science makes this possible. Heart job. This is possible by science. Look up Dolly Parton. Oh my god. I only recently learned that, that that's what she's doing. Yeah. Looking 